And we are in the, in the middle of our series on Christmas in Isaiah. Uh, if you want to also, I just wanted to highlight for you, if uh, you like to follow the Advent season, kind of preparing your hearts for Christmas, sometimes it's easy to get swept up in the parties and the gift-giving and the eating of ham, and uh, the giving of candy, and these kinds of things, right? Uh, But if you just want to spend some time in the Scripture a couple mornings a week with your family, uh, there's an Advent guide that is out on the uh, table out there in the foyer that I have put together that gives you some Scripture to read and some questions to answer. Uh, It's just three days a week. It's not every day. Uh, you can, uh, but you can enjoy that. Um, we're going to look at and remember and celebrate all that God has done uh, here at this Advent season. And we also, uh, as part of Advent, we're not only celebrating what God has done in the past, but looking back on it by way of anticipating what Christ is doing and is coming to do again uh, in the future. The first Advent. Uh, God kept a whole host of promises for us in Jesus Christ, but one day there will be a second advent, a second coming of Christ, when Jesus will fulfill the remainder of His promises to us. And so we anticipate that as well. Uh, You may wonder why Isaiah, and uh, part of that is because Isaiah has been rightly referred to as the fifth gospel. You know, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, that tell you about uh, who Jesus was and what he came to, to do and how he did it and about his death and uh, about his resurrection. Well, Isaiah predicted many of the aspects of Jesus' ministry 700 years before Jesus was born. And so we want to look at Isaiah and uh, understand some things about how his prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The text is probably very familiar to you if you're used to reading Matthew's account of, the, of uh, Jesus' birth. It simply says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And as I said, it's a familiar passage, and one whose real significance for us that we can sometimes miss, because we can sometimes allow the familiarity of something to make us deaf to hearing it. And so I want to look closely at it and allow God's Word to speak afresh to us. So let's pray and ask God, to help us to see His Word. God, our Heavenly Father, we, we know that sometimes the Scripture becomes uh, something that we are too familiar with and we are no longer impressed by. So, Father, I pray that You would impress us with and by Your Word that you would leave a deep mark on our soul as we study. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to understand all that you're trying to tell us in this passage. 
And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, the first thing you see in that passage, if you're paying attention, is the word, therefore. Now, uh, we've got an underline from this from Kenton Bergman in Sunday school class this morning as he was teaching us First Peter. But whenever you see the word, therefore, in your Bible, one of the good principles of biblical interpretation is to figure out what that word is, therefore. All right? <laughs> story. Uh, if you see therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. And because therefore is a word that tells you the author is about to draw a conclusion or to explain further the result of things that have happened prior to the occurrence of that word. And as you look at verses 1 to 13 of chapter 7, what you find is the reason that God sent Isaiah to give this sign, uh, to, to, and you find out the, to whom that sign was originally given. And you find out that Isaiah was sent by God to King Ahaz of Judah with both a message and a sign. And at this point, you might be thinking, who? Who's Ahaz? Uh, what? What's the, I don't, I don't get it. Where are we at? And because it's important for us to understand, I want to back up and explain the situation just a little bit. Uh, what's go- you know, after King Solomon died, the, the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes that descended from Jacob, split into two parts, a northern kingdom that called itself Israel, that built itself a capital in Samaria, and then a southern kingdom that called itself Judah, after the name of the larger of the two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, that maintained the capital and the temple down in, uh, down in Jerusalem. Okay, And the northern tribes had 20 kings in their history. It was a relatively short history. Uh, usually how you became king in, in, um, in the northern kingdom of Israel was by assassinating the previous king or leading a rebellion against him. And all of the people, all of the kings of the northern kingdom were wicked men who led their nation in idolatry and in the worship of golden calves and, um, and also Baal on Mount Carmel and all kinds of other nasty kinds of things. They were all wicked men. Now, in the southern kingdom, they had several kings that were good men. But you'll be interested to know that Ahaz is not one of those. He is not one of the good kings of the nation of Judah. He's not a man of faith. He is a man who uh, is largely in rebellion against God. And on top of that, the situation in his kingdom at the time that this prophecy is given is pretty dire. In fact, it reads very much like the, the front page of today's newspaper if you can believe that. Here's what's happened to King Ahaz very recently when Isaiah is sent to go speak to him. 200,000 people from his nation have been hauled off as slaves by the northern kingdom and their allies in Syria, in Damascus. Does that sound like anything that you've heard about recently? Another 120,000 people of his nation have been killed by the invading 
uh, tribesmen and, and people from Syria and Israel in the north. Try to imagine that. I mean, we had 3,000 Americans that were killed on September 11th. Uh, you know, there were lots of people who knew one of those people. But Israel's a tiny little nation, and Judah is a tiny nation that's kind of a subset of that. And they've got 200,000 people hauled off as slaves, and another 120,000 people killed. 120,000 dead is like Peoria got eliminated. Everyone is dead in Peoria. I mean, imagine that. And it's into that situation. And by the way, these two kings, these two rogue kings, the king of Israel and the king of Syria, have sent a message to Ahaz, and they have told him, either you join us in an alliance, or we're going to come back to your country again, we're going to kill you, and we're going to replace you with a king that we will control who will be our puppet. So choose wisely. God says, Isaiah, you go speak to Ahaz, and you carry the message that I have for you, and you give him a sign. Now Ahaz, if you can imagine, is scared, and he is understandably probably also depressed. You know, when you're thinking, hey, I get to, you know, when you're a little kid growing up in the palace, you know, this is the palace of King David, the palace of King Solomon. You're growing up, you know, with this great lineage. We are, I'm one of the descendants of the chosen kings of Israel, one from whose line the Messiah will come, and I'm going to grow up to be king. I don't imagine that when you're having that thought that this is the kind of situation you have in mind. Hundreds of thousands of your countrymen murdered and enslaved. And his worst fears all seem to be coming true, and he has lost hope at this point in his life. Anybody here relate to that? I bet if we went around the room, we could probably all tell some stories about some very dark and hard things that we either have gone through or that we're maybe going through right now. And as you look around the world at the geopolitical situation, it's not good, is it? We've got China creating islands in the South China Sea, a part of the world it does not own, so that it can control global shipping channels through which five trillion of world trade passes through. You've got Russia and Turkey uh, kind of chest-butting over in the Middle East. The Turks shot down a Russian fighter jet. They're right on the edge of going to war over this. You've got ISIS on the move, gobbling up chunks of Iraq and Syria, enslaving hundreds of thousands of people, forcing women into, into slavery, murdering their children. You've got terrorists that infiltrated Paris and shot up people trying to go to the theater. 
We had two in America in San Bernardino this last week. Shoot up an office Christmas party. And that's just the news from this month. That's just since Halloween. All that has happened. We too live in fearful days, don't we? And like Ahaz, it would be easy for us to let our fear overwhelm our faith. To let let our fears get big and God get small. So let's go back to Ahaz for a minute. The ancient equivalent of Isis is on his doorstep. And he doesn't know what to do. God does. And he sends this prophet, Isaiah, with a message and a sign. And the message is very simple. He says, if you go back to verse 9, the tail end of it, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. In other words, he challenges Ahaz and says, Ahaz, you're going to have to trust me. You've never trusted me your whole life. You've not been faithful to me your whole life, but you're going to have to learn in this circumstance when it's really hard to trust me. And to help you trust me, I'm going to give you a sign. In verse 10, he says, Ask for a sign, Ahaz. Ask of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, that's uh, Isaiah, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you also weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. Ahaz is so, is so overwhelmed by his fears and by his circumstances that when God says, Ahaz, you need to trust me and I'm going to give you a reason why. I'm going to give you a certain thing that's going to happen that will show you that you can trust me. Ahaz says, he goes, and by the way, you can pick. Tell me whatever you want, and I'll, I'll do it so that you can learn to trust me. And Ahaz says, no, no, I'm not going to do it. He, I think it's because he doesn't really believe that God is going to take care of him. And God says through Isaiah, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. Now you might be wondering, what do you mean by a sign? Well, a sign, uh, if you go out to 29 here, you'll see a number of them along the road. You'll see one that goes to Pierce Community Center. You'll see one that you know goes to the post office. You'll see speed limit signs, right? And the sign points out something that you need to know. And that's their function uh, as God gives them. Now, does that mean when you post the speed limit sign, does that mean everybody goes that speed? No. Because some people choose to ignore the sign even when it's given, right? I have chosen to ignore some of those signs on particular occasions. I'm sure you have too, right? But when God sends a sign, it's meant to be paid attention to and to, and to shape and to mold our understanding of what he's doing. 
And it's something that is going to happen in the near future that Ahaz will be able to see so that he can know that he can trust God in the circumstances he's in. And the sign was a virgin's son. Now, that in itself ought to cause our ears to perk up, right? Why? Because virgins don't have children. They don't. It's not just an oxymoron. It's not like jumbo shrimp, right? Like peacekeeper missile, you know, uh, male intelligence, you know. I mean, you know, uh, it's not like that, right? Not, not just a contradiction in terms. It's, a, it's an impossibility. Virgins do not have sons. Why? Because the act of marriage which causes the son to be born also removes the mother's virginity. Amen? Virgins don't have children. And so I'm sure Ahaz is going, um, come again. There's going to be a virgin that will have a child. Now here's what I think is going on. I think Isaiah, in context, is talking about a woman who is at that time a virgin who is going to have a child, uh, which will be a son. And I think in context, he's talking about the son that he has with his, that Isaiah has with his wife on uh, chapter 8, whose name is Maher Shalal Hashbez, longest name in the Bible. If your parents you know, are looking for uh, a name for your next child, that would be a good one. His name means quick to the slaughter, quick to the plunder, okay? <laughs> Maher Shalal Hashbaz, okay? And I think what God is doing is He's saying through Isaiah, uh, when that woman over there, and I think Isaiah is pointing her out, when she has a child, it's going to be a son. And before that boy is very old, all your enemies will be defeated. And he goes on to explain how that will happen. And what is miraculous is not the birth of the child, in, in the immediate context anyway. What is miraculous is not the birth of the child, but the deliverance that the child represents. Ahaz rejects the sign. But there's also a much greater fulfillment that Isaiah also sees about the coming of a child who is born to a woman who is still a virgin at the time the child is born. And that is something completely unprecedented. Because as I said, virgins do not have children. Ever. In fact, there's only one recorded instance of that ever happening. And it was because God intervened there was a sign that was given in Ahaz's day which was fulfilled in his day, but it points forward to a far greater son who will herald the deliverance not just of the Jews around Jerusalem, but of the entire world. And that child will be proof that God is there to help his people in a much greater way than a simple one-time deliverance from a military threat that King Ahaz got. King Ahaz got a sign, and it was fulfilled in his day. And before this little boy, Maher Shalal Hashbez, was very old at all, all of Judah's enemies had been defeated. They'd been carried off by the Assyrian Empire and eliminated. And no one could have predicted that. And yet that's what happened. 
And that, but there's a greater fulfillment that is also present too. And that greater fulfillment is evidence not just that God is with Israel, but that God is with us, with the whole world. Now see, let me explain something about how prophecy works, okay? Very often in the Scripture, uh, it's like the prophet sees two mountains in the distance. You ever been out to Colorado and you see these mountains? I love going out there. It's so beautiful. And you see these mountains and they look like they're right next to each other. Right? As you're driving up. And you get to this one and you realize that this one is like 300 miles further away. It just looks close because it's bigger. <laughs> and, and you can't really tell at the distance how far they are apart, or how far, or or even that they're apart, and that they have this vast distance in between them. Well, Isaiah seven fourteen works in much the same way. That there's something that happens in Ahaz's day, which prefigures and points forward to the fulfillment of a of of that same sign in a much greater way in the person of Jesus Christ. You have a sign from God that's a virgin son who is Emmanuel. Ahaz was supposed to realize when the son was born, Maher Shalal Hashbaz, his name is really fun to say. You should try it. <laughs> okay. Um, that when that child is born, that would be proof that God is with the nation of Judah. But he didn't believe it. He tried to work things out his own way. He ignored the sign that was sent from God. But God still sent him the sign. And God sent us a sign also. There's a, there's, if you look at your Bible, uh, theologians talk about the scarlet thread that runs through your Bible. That it begins in Genesis chapter 3 and it ends at the, at the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. In Genesis 3, as soon as the first sin is committed, you have a promise of a child to be born, the seed of a woman. Now that's weird. In Hebrew idiom, men have seed and women do not. We still talk about it that way in the words that we use. And so how is this child going to be born the seed of the woman? And that thread, if you follow it through, goes all the way through your Bible. It, it, you find out in Genesis chapter 12 that that child that was promised to Eve is going to be born of Abraham, the Aramean, who becomes the first of the Jewish people. And then you find out from his grandson, Jacob, that his that that child is going to come through Jacob's son, Judah. And then you find out from Moses that he's going to be a great prophet who will have abilities like Moses to do miracles and to, and to proclaim God's word. And then you find out God's word to David, that he's going to be a descendant of David and in the line of the, of the kings. And you find out from from Malachi, that there will be a forerunner who will precede his coming. 
You find out from Isaiah that he'll be born of a virgin, that he will rule as, as the descendant of David, that he will die for sin, that he will rise from the dead, that he will one day judge the wicked and cast them into hell. You find out from Micah that he'll be born in Bethlehem, from Zechariah that he will enter into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. That one day the nation that rejected him will turn to him and they will look on him whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him and grieve and in repentance coming back to him. This scarlet thread runs all the way through your Old Testament, predicting the coming of Messiah who was needed from Genesis 3 on. And Isaiah is looking in the distance and he sees this mountain and he knows that this is the way that Messiah will come. Not a temporary Messiah like Maher Shalal Hashbaz represents, but a permanent Messiah, not just for a military victory, but for a complete victory over our bigger problem, which is sin and the fact that we are separated from God, therefore, and spend eternity separated from God. He sends Emmanuel, God, with us. And that's literally what happened at what we now call the first Christmas. God came to dwell with us literally in the flesh. This baby that was born to Isaiah in chapter 8 was a symbol of the fact that God was with the nation of Judah. But in the greater fulfillment that we experience at Christmas, we know that God literally is with us. He literally came to dwell among us. And he was born of a virgin. Well, how did that happen, by the way? Some people have asked. So you really believe that virgin birth thing? Well, let me give you some examples of how this, how this happened. Okay? Uh, it happened through the Word of God. The Word of God has power to declare things to be so, and they happen. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, in the beginning, when God said, let there be light, did He just say that, or did He like, get a committee of angels together, you know, form the light committee, and say, now, all right, now, okay, now, Gabriel and uh, Asahel and uh, the rest of you guys, okay, now you guys go down and figure out what light is, and then get to making it. And then once we've got it going, then we'll proclaim its existence. Did they do that? No. God said, let there be light, and there was. All of a sudden, there was light where there hadn't been before. Right? When, they, um, when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, and they walked on the sand of the bottom of the Red Sea. How did that happen? I'll assure you how it did not happen, okay? God did not say, hey, Michael, Gabriel, take your celestial shovel down there and dig a trench, will you? And hold the water back both sides. My people have got to cross. No. God said to Moses, you go down there to the edge of the water and you... Command the water to part, and it will part. 
Why? Because I am the Lord of creation. And at God's command, the water parted and the people walked across on dry ground. Remember, there was a guy named Jesus who was out on the Sea of Galilee and a big storm came up and all the guys he's in the boat with are thinking they're going to die. And they wake Jesus up. By the way, it's always, a good, it's always a good thing if Jesus is asleep. It means he's not concerned about what's going on, <laughs> right? If Jesus is up and stressed, all of a sudden you've got a problem. <laughs> but, uh, but if he's asleep, you're cool, okay? <laughs> but uh, in any case, they wake Jesus up and they say, don't you care if we die out here? And what's he do? He stands up. And he speaks two words. Be still. And what happens? Storm quits. Boom. The waves turn into glass. And they all look around and they go, What kind of man is that? That speaks and the wind and the waves obey. Answer, he is no mere man. When God speaks, the impossible occurs. Because it's not really impossible, it's just impossible for us. If you are the Lord of creation and time, not impossible for you. You don't even break a sweat. God speaks, and the child that is born is born without a human father, but of a human mother, so he possesses a fully human nature and yet is the, the Son of God in the flesh. And he is Emmanuel in a much greater way than King Ahaz saw. He is God physically, visibly present with us. Why does all that matter? Why go into all that stuff about Ahaz and the armies, and all the rest of that. I'll tell you why it matters. Because literally, in the coming of Jesus Christ, we find out that God is literally with us. That God has come in the flesh, and therefore we have hope. We are celebrating at Christmas not just the birth of a miracle baby, but the birth of the Son of God who came to bring the ultimate rescue. So no circumstance is beyond God's reach. None. You know, sometimes, you know, I, have to, I had to quit watching the news. Okay, Karen won't watch it with me anymore. I get to yelling at the TV arguing with the people that are on there, <laughs> okay? Like, that's so ridiculous, and I get enraged and, you know, want to throw stuff and don't really have the money to replace the television right now, so, you know, I just don't watch, right? Our life sometimes can seem like, man, I don't know about this, Right? In fact, I saw a newspaper out in New York City, source of all good things. Yeah, sarcasm. Um, 
that said, God isn't fixing this. That was on there this last week, right? Here's what we know from the Scripture. Jesus was born of a virgin. He is God with us. And that means that God is right now in the process of fixing this. In fact, in a certain sense, that he already has fixed this. Because our biggest problem is not how we live in the world that we break, but how we live with the fact that we have broken relationship with God. And God invaded our world in the flesh, born of a virgin, to show us that He is with us in the very most difficult, terrible, horrible situations that we're in. It means that that since God is with us, that our prayers don't go up to, uh, to just our imaginary friend, like that newspaper article seemed to say. But that God, but they go up to a God who is there and who loves us. It means that our prayers accomplish something. It means that we can stop living an empty life because God is with us. God is with us. I heard this last week a story of a drug addict. I was talking to a guy who was trying to help him, and the guy asked, the drug addict, so have you found the answers you were looking for in your drugs? He goes, no, baby, we just blow our minds so we don't even ask the question. There's a lot of people doing that and doing a lot of other things to keep the questions from arising too strongly in their mind. But Jesus has come born of a virgin, just as the prophet said, so we can stop living an empty life. God is with us. Hope is here, and with it, real answers to all of life's most difficult questions. It means you can stop living under the guilt of your sin and your past because God is with us not only with His presence, but with His grace and forgiveness. Amen? We celebrated that here this morning. That because Christ came in the flesh and offered his life for us, we no longer have to carry the burden of all of our stuff. The only question for you this morning is whether, like King Ahaz, you reject the sign you've been given, or you have received it with joy, and have believed in the message sent by the sign that God sent. It also means that we have hope for the future because God is with us. In fact, the goal of His coming, that He might die to sin and rise to new life, is also to give us new life in the place where we will be with Him forever. Amen? There is a second coming. God is with us in His in the in the in the nativity scene, God is with us in the present by His Holy Spirit, and one day God will be with us in a way that we can see. 
And I can't wait for that. I don't know about you. But I read those descriptions in Revelation 21, 22, where it says, God himself will be with them as their God. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. And the the angels shout, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. And there shall no longer be any crying or mourning or sorrow or pain or death anymore, for the old order of things has passed away. God is with us. God is with us in Christ, and he will be with us to the very end. And we have hope because of the fulfillment of the sign of the virgin-born Son, Emmanuel. Amen? Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, I pray that this Christmas we would not ignore the sign, but we would heed the message sent by you through the prophet to the old rebellious king, and also sent by your word to us in our day. Father, help us to remember that when we feel that things are dark and hopeless, that they are not hopeless because Emmanuel has come and you are with us. Help us to trust you and to see your presence and your hand at work even in these dark days. And to know that you who kept the promise of Emmanuel to Ahaz, though he rejected it, You who kept your promise of Emmanuel to the nation of Israel in sending Jesus and who are keeping it to us today through the same Jesus you sent all those years ago. Father, help us to remember that you are with us and to have hope because where you are present, light shines in the dark. And the darkness has not overcome it. Because you are bringing the ultimate victory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.